symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hello and welcome to Grilling JR with the voice of professional wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. JR, how are you this week? Good to have you. You back, sir. I'm well. Glad to be back, quite frankly. Still, uh, I know that the older I get, the more, the longer it takes to recover from jet lag. But it was I had a great trip. It's fun. I know you were excited to see a lot of the folks that you used to work with. And, uh, so you got to see them all and, and, and how did it go? I mean, just seeing some old friends and old comrades and people that you hired getting to see all those folks again. Well, I, I enjoyed it. You know, you get to catch up a lot of visiting, a lot of social time. Uh, you know, I didn't leave the, the hotel or, uh, except to go to the venue, which is, a, which was attached to it, which is great. Uh, so I stayed pretty grounded and everybody kind of stayed in a common area uh, hotel bar type area restaurant. So, uh, I had their fish and chips three times. So I guess I liked it. <laughs> Must've been pretty good. Well, JR, listen, I'm excited because this week, not only are we going to be talking about, uh, Mr. Electricity himself, the rock, but today's episode, it's actually the three year anniversary of the beginning of grilling JR. How does that make you feel? Oh, it's good. Good. We've built a little brand here. That's what we're trying to do and, and entertain folks. Audience has been very supportive and keep building, keeps growing. So it's time flies. So you're having a good time. And I've been having a good time with this ever since Conrad and I, uh, struck up our deal. Is he yeah. still around? <laughs> he is. He was in Florida <laughs> this week, conducting some business with the nature boy. Yeah. I saw that. I saw yeah. a picture of them on a boat. Big dogs. It went everywhere. It was all over social media. They had so, pic uh, pictures of the Rolexes, pictures of them on a boat, having a good old time. He's getting some business done there too. And I'm sure all the wrestling fans will hear about that soon enough, but, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's still around. So good. I'm kidding. Uh, he's working hard and trying to continue to help build uh, the ad free networks, That's which I get. Right. Yeah. And you got to have content. Content is king. So, uh, Conrad's out there trying to develop more content and that's good for all of us that are either on the network or supportive of it in another way. That's right. And, uh, speaking of content, it all started May 2nd, 2019, leaving WCW for WWE. Connie was looking for the dirt three years ago. And today we're looking for more dirt. Cause that's just what we do. Uh, I'm kidding. Actually, no, I'm not, but we're going to be talking about someone. Like I said, the star biggest, one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest star in professional wrestling, how he was discovered his first years in the wrestling business. And it's Dwayne, the rock Johnson. The Rock just turned 50 this past week, Jim. You were just a young pup yourself, JR, 20 years old when that Brahma Bull made his official debut on planet Earth, my friend. Wait, what year was that? Oh, so 50, 50 years. So 72. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, 72. Oh, I was 20. Yeah, how old was I? 20. You said that. Yeah. Yeah, I was a young kid at that when he was born, but uh, I'm sure glad our past crossed. It helped everybody evolve. I promise you. JR, when's the name Dwayne Johnson first uh, presented to you? What are your first memories of hearing the name Dwayne Johnson? Well, Patterson, Pat Patterson was a great friend of, of Rocky's grandfather and, and his dad. So, uh, Patterson had his eye of include in about it when the football ventures 
uh, didn't succeed for rock. Uh, you know, the pro wrestling was another a road that he could take and which he did and, and succeeded amazingly well, as we've discussed. Uh, but Patterson was uh, at the forefront of, uh, putting rocks name on the radar. It was my job to go to Florida to meet with him and talk to him and negotiate our first contract. The narrative's always been speaking of Pat Patterson that he and Cornette and countless others, they saw Megastar instantly. I know you were the man at the helm meeting with him. Was it Megastar at first sight in your mind, Jim? Oh yeah. It was a no brainer. Just a matter of getting it done, uh, and getting it con the contract signed. Uh, I paid him the, I paid rock the highest, uh, 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 rookie contract we'd ever done six figures plus. And most of those guys are, you know, weren't making that kind of money. Uh, you pay what the market will bear. And the issue is, is that we didn't want to take any chances of being, uh, uh, silly with the money in as much as with an insulting offer, you know, uh, we weren't going to pay a boot chip guy, field hand wages. And, uh, so that's kind of where that started, but, but I, I had a, yeah, Vince and I, we, I was higher on it. I was around rock a lot. I was in the scouting and evaluating and talking. I just want to make sure we didn't lose, uh, to the losing. And the, the, I guess one of the good things happened was that rock didn't have any money. So he was just looking for some cash and, uh, put some food on the table and, and take care of his family and so forth. So, uh, he had not made any money to, to, of any degree whatsoever until that time. So, uh, we, we were, it was not a mystery. We were going to sign rock and now nobody knew how good he's going to be. I wouldn't say that we all knew that. Oh yeah. We all knew we know nobody knows for sure, but you think he, he checks so many boxes. It's going to be hard for him to miss. So Jim, you've talked about it in the past, about your first meeting with him. You just shared some thoughts with it and we all know the seven bucks story, but what are some of those intangibles that you noticed right, right away? What were some of those things that you thought, man, this guy is, does have it. And well, I don't think I ever met with him that he didn't say, I just came from the gym or uh, I'm going to the gym or the gym was always in the conversation. So he was very dedicated to his look, his conditioning his core strength, all those things that those guys are concerned about. Uh, and, uh, that, that was always a part of the conversation. If I go to, if we go to lunch, I guarantee you that morning, he's already been to the gym. So he was just very dedicated. Uh, you know, and his dad had a lot to do to influence that because, you know, Rocky, uh, this old man was very, he had a great physique and he worked at it and he had great DNA and no doubt about that. And Rocky inherited some of that. That's unquestionable. But, uh, he was very dedicated about his, uh, staying in shape and getting in shape and creating a look that he felt like was marketable. We're looking back 25 years or so here, but it's interesting because it's almost like the rock laid the groundwork for future signings of what ends up being really good college athletes that maybe just weren't good enough for the NFL scene. You're seeing that now all the time with the NXT brand and things like that. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah. That's no brainer. The, the, these, they're, they're these the athletes from that world, like the rock, uh, generally are more durable than bodybuilder types. Uh, not always, but more often than not. Uh, so when you get a little boo-boo as an ex athlete in a pro wrestling training environment, you, you, you know, that you have to work through it. And, uh, and rock always did that, but that's about all the guys that we signed 
over, over the years, always the exception, always this and that, but over the years, the guys that came from an athletic background, generally speaking, uh, had a, a little bit easier go of it. JR, knowing what you know now and how they operate NXT, would the rock had made it out of NXT a similar st- type path and style or, you know, or in the current landscape of how talent is developed compared to going to say a Memphis and learning the craft like he did. Well, there's a lot of philosophies on that. It depends on the individual, it depends on their environment. Uh, you know, we felt like at rock going to Memphis was, uh, a decent start wasn't a totally ideal, uh, because it was a brand new little operation down there and a mom and pa deal to say the least. So, uh, I think, I think, uh, uh, you know, he, he always had his head on straight, but I don't know. He's going to, he, rock is going to thrive wherever he goes, whether it's this camp or that camp or this camp over here, he's going to walk in the front door and be the star of the show. That's how I looked at it. GR Rocky isn't wrestling long before debuting in a dark match in Corpus Christi, Texas, and a win over the Brooklyn brawler, Steve Lombardi. JR, any fun memories of the brawler, Mr. Steve Lombardi himself? Mr. Versatility, reliable. You know, brawler was always uh, Johnny on the spot. Worked with a lot of young guys that we wanted to see if they had any aptitude and how fundamentally sound they were. So brawler was the very valuable guy behind the scenes as much as anybody that you probably haven't, we don't talk about it enough. So, uh, Steve Lombardi's, uh, certainly it was, a, was an MVP type player there at WWE and, uh, you know, or we would not have trusted him with so many guys, including the rock and his rocks first match. By the way, cheap plug here for all you ad free show folks, you know, this we've had Steve Lombardi on before and got to sit down and ask him questions and pick his brain. And oh my, it was an unforgettable experience to say the least. So we move on Rocky's put with Chris Candido in a dark match. Just a few days later, it's important to get someone like the rock in the ring with as many good workers as possible. Jr. at this point, and we have the clip of this very first dark match. It's the rock. And it is Chris Candido, who at the time was Skip. This is from March 11th, 1996. JR, let's take a, take a listen here and, and check this one out. Here we go. His opponent from Miami, Florida, weighing at 272 pounds, Dwayne Johnson. JR, he, JR he's coming down to a, uh, a Jimmy Hart song. Listen. Rock looks good. He's moving like an athlete. Fans are curious. Suddenly looked curious. <laughs> sure she did. Here we go. There's no commentary, so you can talk right through this, JR. Well, it's just fun to watch. You know, yeah. it's fun to watch it. Rock's not going to do anything that he he hasn't done in practice. He's not going to try new things out here in this match. At least he shouldn't. Dr. Tom Pritchard on the outside of Zip. Yeah. Help train the rock. Yeah. Tommy always does a great job in those in that environment. But Candido was a good solid hand. He knew he'd be safe. He wouldn't let rock try things that would make that would be uh, bad. See, this is probably not necessary. 
The Tope Suicida, is that what they call it now, off the top rope? That's Hurricane Rana. Yeah, oh, yeah. And the and the, the push-up pin from, from uh, Skip, and it's over. And here comes Sonny. And that's it, JR. He would uh, go ahead and, and, and lose that match. Talk about his influence in the early parts of his career. Who were some of those influential guys? Patterson. Patterson. Any of the, any of the more uh, experienced main event level talents or talents that had worked on main events uh, always uh, were willing to talk to Rock because he's so respectful and willing to listen. Uh, he was one of those young guys who didn't mind listening. He realized he didn't know everything, but he wanted you to teach him everything that you knew. So you take that with him down the road. So, uh, uh, I, I just bet Patterson was, you know, was probably the most influential guy there in rock's uh, career. As far as uh, little subtle things in ring things, little t nuances and things of that nature. And I'm sure there are a lot of other guys, but as you just looked at one person that was always consistent in rocks formative years, Pat Patterson would be that guy. Let's talk a little bit about Jerry Lawler and me and his, uh, influence. He did spend some time in Memphis. So can you kind of share any, uh, thoughts on Jerry and the time spent down there in Memphis for the rock? Well, the, the Memphis territory was uh, a good idea. It didn't function as well as OVW, uh, and, and, and arguably uh, maybe even, uh, uh, Les Thatcher's operation there in Cincinnati, but, uh, we had Lawler there. And we wanted Lawler to keep tabs and take a good, take a good look and keep his hands on rock. Uh, and that's kind of how we worked that deal. <laughs> Here's the thing. We knew the rock was not going to be there long. You know, I don't know how, a few weeks I'm thinking before we started moving him around and, and getting him into front of getting him with other people that had experience. So, uh, you know, he, he was just, uh, a big bright eyed kid that just wanted to learn. Joe, were you getting tapes on him or was just word of mouth from Jerry? Oh, we got tapes. Okay. Yeah, we got, we got some tapes. We could always see how he's, how well he's doing. And I always had somebody down there to, when they had shows, try to have somebody there that could keep a close eye on him and, uh, help him when he needed it. Well, with Rocky working in Memphis, he's brought to TV occasionally back then, even to getting, uh, to wrestle Owen Hart. And then on August 24th, there was a fun angle. We have the clip. But uh, with time running out on the live TV show, Flex Cavana, that's what he was called, challenged Lawler for the title and said he'd leave town if he lost. And with 15 seconds left in the show, Lawler hit Flex with a chain. And as they went off the air, they announced Flex was gone. You had to know at this point he was ready for the main roster. And uh, I'm assuming it's, you know, going off of Jerry the King Lawler's opinion and others and, and said, hey, it's time to, to, time to get him up here at this point. Yeah, a guy like that, Paul, you never let get out of your sight like rock, you just continue to help continue to get him the support that he needs. Uh, and, and let him, and really let him run free. He's like a wild stallion. You know, you, you don't, you don't put a, a bit in their mouth and pull their head back, you let them run. And that's kind of what we did with rock. We let him run when we could. There you go. Well, Hey, Jr. let's check out this angle. I'm telling you, if you get not an ad free show member, this is a good episode to join up because we have some rare, uh, clips that many of you may have never seen before of early days of rock. And we're going to take a look at this one, that whole angle in Memphis with Lawler. Flex Cabana, the match, uh, just about to happen. You know, that's right, Dave. 
When they told me earlier this week that I was going to wrestle Jerry the King Lawler, I did a little thinking, Dave. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? Week in and week out, whether it's here in the USWA or whether it's Monday Night Raw with the WWF, Jerry Lawler is always running his mouth. Well, I thought about it, Dave, and you know what? If Jerry Lawler says that he's half the man, he thinks he is, then he'll give me a title shot. He'll give me a unified world title shot right here Saturday morning on TV, right in front of all the good people of the USWA. Well, I'd love to have that. I don't know if he'll do it. I mean, uh, this match is signed as a non-title match, so I don't know if uh, yeah, he's not always that easy to convince. And I'm sure the promoters would like time to promote the title match and all of that. But uh, it uh, sounds like a wonderful idea if, uh, if he would agree to it. <laughs> there he is. He's right here, the king. He hadn't changed yeah, clothes well, in 30 well. years. we got Flex Cavana out here trying to play a little mind game with the king. Trying to make a few Beautiful little belt. witty comments. I understand he spends half his time trying to be witty. That makes him a half-wit, right? <laughs> Let me tell you something, Flex. You know, I was playing mind games with people like you probably when you were still wearing diapers. So let me tell you, you're not going to be able to get one up on the king and get me to fall for your little trick of putting my title at stake when you got nothing at stake. See, that means I got everything to lose and nothing to gain, right? Am I right or wrong, huh? That's right. So I'll tell you what I will do. I like you, Flex. Good-looking young guy. Got a lot of potential. I'd lose the shades. But other than that, I'll do it. I'll go ahead and make this match we're fixing to have a unified World Heavyweight Championship match right here on television today under one condition. Under one condition. Flex. Flex. Come back, Flex. Lassie, come home. Flex. Under one condition. If you win, you leave here with this belt and you're the champion. Sounds good. Championship match. But, but, if I win... If I win, you just leave here. Get it? You leave here with no belt. I mean, you leave and you don't come back. You leave the USWA and then I don't have to worry about punks like you trying to trick me out of my title anymore. Come on, oh, Flex, look. You're a big confident man a few minutes ago. You're going to win a world title. Flex, uh, I mean, it's a title match. Maybe it's another title match down the road for you here. Without, without, uh, without such a stipulation. You look because you lose, you're out of here. That's. You know what, Dave? Success is all about opportunity. This is my opportunity right here, right now. Let's do it. Oh, wait a minute now. Let's get this straight. You win, you're the champion. But if I win, you're out of here. You are out of town. You are gone. History. Arrivederci. So long. Sayonara, right? You got that? You're gone. I got it. Well, the match is done. All right, let's go. Let's go to the ring. Downtown Bruno in the ring right now. We got to get this one underway. We're... He's got the opportunity, Dave. He's going to have the opportunity to get on a bus to get out of town after this match. He's got the opportunity. His opportunity is to take the end of the Bowden. match here. Scott Bowden. Yeah. What is he doing? He's in the ring. Oh, Bart Sawyer pulls it back out of the ring. Bart Sawyer was brought out here by Cavana as he went to our commercial break. And Sawyer's even things up. We've got 15 hey, seconds go. before we're going to have to leave the air. Flex like Cabana just missed a chance to be the world champion. Cabana had Lawler and the king. Now Flex Lawler Cabana. 
And just like that, he's moving on. Yes, sir. Vignettes begin airing in late October with Kevin Kelly and on the weekend shows to hype up the debut and explaining Rock's family history, a clip inducting his father in the Cauliflower Alley Club. And uh, talk about Vince McMahon. Was he excited about bringing him up? And what was his outlook about uh, bringing Rocky in? Well, Vince is uh, cautiously optimistic in the beginning because, you know, he's had his, uh, he's seen that these beautiful packages sometimes don't play out. Uh, but in time, Vince became a huge, just a huge uh, rock supporter. We also, anybody who's around, you, you got to be, you know, you, you don't have to be an expert. You can just see it. Yeah. And if you're around him, you can feel his enthusiasm. And he also had a background being in the family, in the business, family business, that he understood things that a lot of guys took time to assimilate. So, uh, it didn't take long for Vince to become a huge rock fan. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Well, JR, he's actually, uh, makes his first televised appearance on November 4th, 1996. There's some trivia for, uh, all you folks like to keep up with that type of stuff. It's raw. He's at ringside to back up the survivor series team. He'll be making his in-ring debut with, could you imagine looking back 25 years later, the biggest megastar is first highlighted in a walkout role while Barry Windham is taking on gold dust. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that's a journey. All these journeys are different. And, uh, they're meant to get you ready and, and rock, whether everybody's always going to agree or disagree, because I know they're not going to always agree. Uh, you know, he, he was on this journey that he was just refusing to, uh, change lanes. And I think that's one of the great things that made him successful. He just refused to, to wilt. Well, JR, we're at the 1996 Survivor Series. Rocky makes his debut as he's the sole survivor for his team. It's Madison Square Garden. And uh, we have the clip ready to go of that. Of course, we have to. It's the big debut. So we're going to check that out and then make some comments about it. Here we go. Let's take a listen. League Federation, Rocky Maivia. Very potent oh, the king. Oh, no. He's in there with the wrong individual of the king. The veteran king from Memphis is an offer to... Oh! Now, that's a... Oh, six. No. He's 6'5", 275. Oh, it's Rocky Maivia. Unbelievable agility. Yes, sir. Hey. Oh, look out. And the king is hoisted over the top. Oh, what an oh. unbelievable uppercut. Look like a Rocky Johnson drop kick to me. Whoa, it certainly did. And the king coming in. Oh, he wants no more of Rocky Mavia. Let me ask you one thing. 
Toe to toe, and look at this. Rocky is look. He's backing up Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Uh -huh. What guts on the part of this young man, a rookie now, whipping Hunter Hearst to back body drop. Very nice. And Rocky with a presence of mind. Dominant superstar in the World Wrestling Federation. That's impressive. Look at this. Rocky Magnier with Goldust. Shoulder breaker. JR, how cool is it now going as we go through the story to see he ends in Memphis with the King, starts in WWF with the King right there at the Survivor Series. Yeah, continuity. Love it. And comfort. So it's good. Smart. Yeah. yeah. Smart booking. It's, uh, Who the hell else would you want to be there with your star yeah. rookie than somebody like Lawler who could work with anybody? So it was a good, it was a good marriage. It was very cool. And when you take a look back at the show, it's hard not to notice how much of a launching point this is for just the WWF in general. You have Rocky's first match. You have Steve Austin losing to Bret Hart, but really he's being elevated into the top spot. Shawn Michaels drops the title to Sid, but showing off an edge uh, against a hostile New York crowd. So this is a pretty big moment when you look back in WWF's quest to regain the top spot from WWF. Yeah, it might have been a little too much too soon. I think that's what turned the people against uh, Rock. He didn't do anything character-wise. He didn't change his personality, but he was a rookie, green kid, handsome, uh, caused a lot of jealousy with men, 18 to 49, that, that beloved demographic. Uh, but he was, uh, I think, probably a little too much too soon. I'm not so sure looking back at it, if it was a thing to do to have him win that match. And we're going to go through this uh, in detail as far as how he progressed from this baby face that nobody wanted to accept uh, to the rock that he became. And at this point, he's just defeating enhancement guys at the time. T.L. Hopper, you remember him, Tony Anthony, Salvatore Sincere. He even turns down Jim Cornette, who wants to manage him. And I guess it's all intended just to slow burn Rocky, is it not? Yeah, just that people get acquainted with him, feed them more information and little bits at a time. So they could digest it, process it and retain it. We covered his intercontinental title win over uh, Hunter on Thursday, raw Thursday. So check that one out. It's in the archives. JR and I did that one together, but the overexposure that is often talked about for Rocky at the time, isn't, isn't really true. He's not on raw for a couple of weeks after this. Was it a conscious part and creative to not overexpose him too much at this point? I don't know how, who, who decides whether you're overexposed or not the fans. Yeah. And as long as the fans were giving us a reaction to rock, uh, then we're, we're going to, we're going to be happy if they didn't give a shit and they were nonplussed about him, then we have an issue. Uh, but, uh, that's not what we perceived we were at. We knew that we were in good shape there with him. JR, do you recall uh, when you started to hear the rejection of Rocky? Was it before the intercontinental title win or during the title victory or after? Uh, Good question. I don't really remember the timeline of that. It's been too long ago, but it wasn't long after the survivor series that, uh, the boo birds came out. Yeah. 
JR, it seems like it's got to be hard to get a fiery white meat baby face over while at the same time, you have Bret Hart, he's cursing on raw. You have Steve Austin, he's flipping the double birds. You have anti-heroes like the NWO. They're excelling at this point in the business. Is it not? I mean, to have that white meat baby face trying to, trying to get over at the same time. Well, I think the business was accepting edginess. Yeah. You know, and you know, knowing rock who played football at the U down in Miami, you know, they're one of the edgiest football programs in, in, in history. He's a part of that culture. So we knew that rock could communicate and we knew that he could have an edge. We just had to get into that spot to where it'd be uh, more accepted and he, he would be good at it. Well, at final four in WrestleMania, Rocky retains his intercontinental twice title twice over triple H and the Sultan. And for the first time, Rocky Johnson comes out to help fight off Bob Backlund and the iron Sheik. JR at this point, is anyone thinking maybe we should start pulling off the push on, on Rocky? Uh, I don't think pull off of it as if not have one. No, the answer would be okay. easily easy answer. No, but you know, we did, we knew we had to be aware of not force feeding him to where the fans are going to just spit him back at us. Yeah. Last week, you and Conrad watched, uh, the Rawls war where he lost the title to Owen Hart, the intercontinental belt. Do you sit with Rocky at this time, JR and, and say, Hey, maybe we need to, we got to talk to creative. We got something here with this kid. He needs confidence. How do you fix a, a floundering talent? Basically at this point, he had confidence, Paul, he had plenty of confidence. Uh, he just needed time. That's all that simple. He needed more reps. He needed more ring time. Uh, when I need to continue to book him with people that could help him and lead a match and, and be supportive. And so that was kind of our goal there with that. So, but he never lacked confidence ever. What is he, do you remember him talking to you though, at all during this period where he's trying to figure out kind of what, what's next for him because this isn't working. Do you ever remember? Well, not like it not like a lot of guys would that were in his position because of rocks family background. He understood this is a process. He understood this is going to take some time. The question was always going to be, how long is it going to take? Well, it depends on the audience and how quick they accept you. It, it depends on how good you get at your craft. So, uh, but he never lacked confidence and we knew it was there. It's just a matter of like a lot of people, you know, uh, it's same train of thought that people had with Brock Lesnar. Oh, he's ready to go. I remember when Vince wanted to bring Brock to TV the first time and have a, a TV match. I said, he's not ready. And I said, I don't want to be responsible for hurting somebody until he's more fundamentally sound. So we pulled back on that a little bit and it worked out beautifully. Well, it sounds same like basic, same yeah. basic thing for rock, frankly. Yeah, it sounds like he had a, a real level of maturity. You've told me before, Jr. that wrestlers can be the most insecure and paranoid people to deal with, but it sounds like rock had a different level of maturity and maybe it was from just growing up in the business and seeing out. Well, he understood the product. He understood yeah. the process and, uh, when you don't have to teach that, uh, it makes it a lot easier for the transitions. Well, he would lose to mankind at cold day in hell. And Mick Foley even wrote in his book. He didn't think Rocky had it in commentary <laughs> that night. You even said that in Rocky's win over Hunter back in February, that the better man didn't win on that night. And he was an unsuccessful intercontinental champion. Jim, do you remember any of that? Do you know maybe why you would have said that? Was this just kind of the storyline kind of thing? Yeah, I think it was that? all story, all storyline oriented, Paul. That's what Vince wanted. Okay. We're going to back off a little bit, the hearts and flowers and, you know, uh, hugs and kisses. We're going to back off that a little bit and, uh, and take some of the pressure off to Wayne. And we did, and it worked.
Well, this is probably uh, what Rock would look back now and say was probably the, kind of the best thing that happened to him, even though it's it's an awful thing. And that's he hurts his knee, misses a few months. But when you look back at it in hindsight, is that a blessing in disguise? Because it gives him that might, time. Might have been. Yeah, it might have been. You don't want anybody to get hurt for any reason. Right. Uh, but if it was going to happen, and I suspect it's probably a lingering football issue, my guess, uh, loose particles or something. I don't think it was like an ACL deal. Uh, he was only out of, you know, short, shorter time than some are with knee injuries. Uh, but yeah, just, it was probably coming a good time. Let him step away, assess where he's, where he's traveled thus far and, uh, and create a, uh, strategy to return him to action. JR, can you remember during this time where he's out, where he's injured, he's, he's trying to come back. Do you keep in contact with him? You having conversations with him? Where's his head at at this point? Yeah, good talent relationship. People keep in contact with their talent. Uh, you know, I, I either text him every day or we talk once or twice a week. To see how he's feeling. He's already back. He, he was almost back in the gym immediately. That's his work ethic. Yeah. That's his background. That's his DNA. So and he had that where a lot of guys just didn't have it. They didn't, they didn't have that opportunity. So, uh, but I would make sure he was not feeling sorry for himself or whatever, but because of these legitimate and mainstream athletic background, dealing with injuries is a part of the process. He's been hurt in Miami too. And he had, he had to set out a year. I think he had his freshman year or something. Uh, so, but in any event, he, he, he managed his way through it. He was, he was prepared for that sort of challenge. Now you said it, he, he's notorious for pushing forward, not letting things get to him. And it's evidenced by all the success he's had in every single venture in his, in his life. He's a rare breed, man. He just pushes through and, and what he's done and accomplished in his life speaks volumes to exactly what you're saying. And, uh, he, he returns to the WWF and he's at house shows. He's defeating Farouk and rockabilly and he, and you know, then the decisions made putting him with the nation. It, uh, talk about that decision, where that came out of, do you remember who made the decision and, and what that looked like? Hey, we see there could be a, a nice fit here for the rock. Well, it just seemed like it made sense. You know, uh, the, uh, ethnicity aspect of what we were doing in uh, many people's eyes was not then and would not be now politically correct. Uh, but we knew that, uh, that group of guys would look after him. Uh, you know, they, they were going to be aware of, of what we had invested in him and what we, our plans were. So in other words, nation, your job is to help Rocky get good so we can spin him out of your group and he can be a baby face. They all knew that. Let's talk about right here, the influence of Ron Simmons for Rook and him taking rock under his wing. I mean, thoughts on that. What can you share about pairing him up with Ron Simmons in particular? Well, those two guys had a lot in common other than being men of color. Uh, they're both were, uh, division one, uh, football stars, Ron, the bigger star of the two. So there's a lot of respect there that, uh, that came with, uh, Ron's, uh, legacy. I think rock respected that. And, and, uh, and, and, and Ron was willing to coach up rock and help him out, which a lot of guys would not do. So, uh, it was a team effort, no doubt about that. And, but I didn't, we, we put, we put, uh, we needed something for those guys, uh, 
a lot of people, including myself, was not overly sure that the nation of domination was the way to go simply because of the connotations that some people would have about this powerful black group holding their fist up in the air, like the Olympics in 68, uh, Tommy John and John Carlos had that protest. That's uh, still etched in the minds of a lot of us. So we're young and impressionable at that time. So it didn't have a positive feeling, but we were also not to, not to over try to overthink it. Uh, we were, they were heels. They were villains. They were not supposed to be liked. And so that's kind of where I, how I see that. But, uh, uh, it was, uh, it was a little risky, but at the end of the day, it worked. It certainly did. And we have it here because of course we do JR it's raw. It's August 11th. It's 1997. Rocky Maivia comes out of the crowd to interfere in a match between chains and Brian Lee. And we have the clip here. Let's take a look. Oh my goodness, uh -oh. the official knocked silly on that one. Well, Jack Doan, the referee, knocked down. Oh. Maybe knocked out. And a cover here, but there's no one there to count. Good. It's unfortunate. Wait a minute. There's Rocky Maivia. There's The Rock. Great to see The Rock back. What's he doing in the ring? Check it on the referee, make sure he's okay. Look at this. What? Wait a minute. It's a better fit. It already feels better. It felt like the right thing at that point in time. They look good together. Uh, and it was a start of some pretty big stuff. This mom and daddy watching in Tampa, they got to be sitting at home in disbelief. What? Whoa. I can't believe this. There it is. JR, the rock embraces destiny, turns heel, joins the nation, and he shows 15 times more charisma in just two minutes than he did his he entire was comfortable. Yeah. He found his identity. That's what you're always looking for. And there's no textbook. There's no, uh, the internet, uh, Twitter polls. None of that matters. It's all about our, is the talent now comfortable in their skin where they can pull this thing off. And like I said, you can see in a few steps, he was ready. There's the steps and here's the first promo Jr. He's turned heel. It's raw. It's now August 18th, 1997. So the very next week, and we would hear from the rock. Let's take a listen. His first heel promo. Here we go. Here's a young man that came to the WWF trying to do things the American way. But what did you people do? No, you frowned on him. He came out here kissing babies, shaking hands, helping old ladies across the street. But he found out that is not the way to do it. Anything in this world that's worth getting, Rocky Mafia found out that the nation stands for it and that it's fighting your way through. Tell him, Rocky. I got three words. Die, Rocky, die. That's the gratitude I get from you pieces of crap for all my blood, my sweat, and my tears. 
You know, hey, this isn't about the color of my skin. This is about respect. I became the youngest intercontinental champion in WWF history. And what did it get me? In arenas across the country, I heard chants of Rocky sucks. Tim naturally is as a heel. Well, Rocky Maivia is a lot of things, but sucks isn't one of them. I want to make one point to all you jackass fans out there. Rocky Maivia and the new nation of domination lives, breathes, and dies respect. And we will earn respect by any means necessary. By the way, for all those that can't watch it, that is JR in the ring holding the mic for The Rock's very first heel promo. Man, I'm, just... good, at a, I'm a good microphone holder. <laughs> but my point but is. But you have good guys there, too. You know, Charles Wright. Yeah. <coughs> my, my point is here, JR, while you get a drink there, you are a thread throughout so much history in, in the business that we so many of us love. You're well, right there for The Rock's first heel promo ever. Right place, right time, my boy. Whew. So cool. Here I go again, licking your nuts as that guy called me out for, but I can't help it. This is the truth. It's I'm just stating the truth. There you are. And, uh, you can see how he's just more comfortable talking, acting like a heel. This is finally the right creative, my friend. Oh, absolutely. You, you can feel how he walked, how he moved, the confidence. Uh, he even still knew confidence and fire with the other guys. It was a group that came together kind of by happenstance that actually worked from night one and not to be lost on all this. You were talking about the nation of domination, but you had the whole gang war kind of mentality at this point in WWF in 97, you had the nation, the disciples of apocalypse, Los Bariquas. You had uh, an extension of the heart foundation, all these stables being put together. There's just a ton of talent put into these groups. Did you have just, is it an excess amount of talent? Just hoping to have some of them, you know, stick and maybe you can't book that way. You can't book with it. Oh, I don't know. We're, we're booking too much. You don't know. You're not, unless things are tried and they get a test drive to, in, to some level, uh, then you never know. So uh, to say, well, we, we were, I was worried about we're, we had too many teams. Look, it's not up to me. If, if, if creative wants teams and they did, I'm going to get you teams, but that was not the, you know, that was, a you know, just straightforward stuff, man. So, uh, no, I don't think we, I, I wouldn't worry about it because the good teams are going to make it to the next level and the bad teams are going to fade away. And you're going to have those guys that end up st- standing out and becoming stars. And that's the reality of what happened here with this group rock ended up separating himself and being the standout star and went off on his own eventually. And just became just an incredible superstar. So in October, there's segments between the nation and the heart foundation, Jr. that really bring up some deep issues, including racism. Is this something you wish hadn't been a part of the WWF at this time? If I had my choice to creative, I would never write any creative that was heavily laden with uh, religion or race. Amen. Either one. Just don't see the. It's just me. I'm not, maybe I'm too old fashioned. No, I don't see, I don't see who wins in that scenario. Nobody. It, it conjures up too many uh, long, long-term, uh, memories and pieces of history. 
Absolutely. So no, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to be a fan of, uh, religion or uh, race angles at all. Well, you have Ahmed Johnson who had about two weeks in the nation before getting hurt returns and puts together, which just months earlier, what would have been a strong baby face group of himself. You got Ken Shamrock and LOD, the Legion of doom and the nation at the time had Farouk, the rock Dilo Brown and Kama Mustafa, as you said, the Godfather, there's a ton of big time talent between these eight men and they're scheduled Jr. to take each other on at the survivor series, but man, rock and shamrock, they had a lot of chemistry in the ring together. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, did, they did. And two great athletes and they were both competitive as hell. So, uh, you know, that was some magic. I, I always thought, you know, Shamrock left WWE, in my opinion, too early. I understand we had long talks about him wanting to continue to fight in, uh, MMA. Uh, he had a chance to make some big money on a few handful of fights. Then maybe we'd get him back, but, uh, at some point down the road, but Kenny was very talented, very underrated, quite frankly, could have been a big, big star there. If he had stayed and not returned to MMA. Uh, but th that's what you do. You got, like you said, here's the point. You got, you got two tags Two. it's an eight man tag. Now let's say, yeah, some of you guys got to get off your ass. We can't have eight guys creating a payoff out of one match for all eight of you. We need some separation. So who's going to step up. That's basically what you, what you're thinking. So, uh, cause you can't afford to have, you know, how many, how many eight man tag teams you're going to have. You got to pay them. Yeah. You got to travel them. Well, the nation would end up being the losers at Survivor Series, but really the story coming to that whole deal, that was the Montreal Screwjob Survivor Series. So the Hart Foundation, they're going away, they're, and there's opens up a spot for another top heel to step forward to be programmed against Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, man, it was The Rock. Did Steve see something in The Rock, or was it Vince who was pushing for this? Do you remember any of that dialogue? I don't know if anybody wasn't pushing for it, Paul. Why would anybody in their right fucking mind have any issues seriously yeah. about a young athletic heel working with another guy you want to get over stone cold when they liked each other, they had great chemistry. There was nothing not to like, there was nothing to worry about in that regard, but obviously Austin, uh, was going to bless the booking, uh, cause he could do that at that time. And, uh, he could bless the booking and, and, and he did, he, he wanted to work with Dwayne. And, and that's, that's why they had those for, yeah, yeah. He wanted to work with him. Yeah. They headlined 15, 17 and 19 WrestleManias. And even at this stage, he knew that's the guy right there. I even, even at that point, he knew they felt it. Yeah. They felt they both liked each other. They wanted to work with each other. They both are aggressive and physical, uh, and they both communicated very well. Did it feel like the rest of the nation members Farouk, Ron Simmons, whatever you call them, were they all supportive of, Hey, yeah, Rocky, it's your turn. Or was there any, heat? yeah, because they knew if it happened to rock, it could happen to one of them. Okay. They weren't jealous. They were boo-boo facing it. I'm trying to, I, I squeeze some dirt out here for you for some of these dirt sucking pricks that want that love it, but come on, uh, they were, and that's how you explain it to them. Well, if it happened for him, why can't it happen for you? It's up to you. It's not all about the office and the booking. It's about how you perform the booking that you're given. And if you exceed the expectations on a, on a regular enough basis, you're, you're doing pretty damn good. JR, let's talk about the rock. Was it a combination of Rocky and creative? Was it the rock who came up with it? The self start calling himself the rock. 
What about the origin? Of I think the rock? he, I think, I think that the rock was more his than anybody else's. As far as I can recall, those are the obscure things. I can't remember after all these years, but, uh, uh, so I, I can't help you on that one, but I, th I think if my memory serves me correctly, it was basically his idea to be called the rock. JR, this is really when that begins and starts to get hammered home. The rock, everything you've been waiting for his career is really about to begin. Isn't it? Yeah. He's right on, right on target, right on target. And it was, and it was always, I used to remember the, a lot of the dirt sheets issues were they're not, he needs to be pushed harder. You know, whatever, 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 whatever mile per hour push he was on was never going to be enough. That's just fans. They always got a better idea was it's their idea. And, uh, yeah, but, but he, he was, he was getting right where we wanted him. No doubt about that. He was just, uh, exceptional. And the irony of that was we also knew there was so much interest in him outside of wrestling that it seemed to be almost inevitable that at some point in time, sooner than later, he's going to be doing movies. And boy, hasn't that happened? <laughs> biggest box office star in the world. But do you think, I got to ask this, do you think the crowd rejecting rock earlier in the year and now being with the nation helps in making him that easy target for Steve, or is it Steve's ability at this point to simply elevate the rock at his level? Well, Steve's going to elevate the rock because Steve knew he was going over. And if you're going to go over, you want to make sure you beat somebody with some credibility. And part of that credibility comes from the opponent. So Steve knew what he had to do. Uh, uh, I think, uh, we needed a hot young heel that could bump Peter come back and would, could, could, uh, ostensibly beat Austin big enough, strong enough, all those good things. So, uh, I just thought it was a good, good marriage. I don't know what, I, I don't know what anybody could have done any better than what we did with rock and, and Steve, uh, Perfect. and that rivalry they had was just magical. And we're going to get into some fun clips here because the rocks comedic timing and Austin's ability to draw that reaction is put on display. No bigger outlet than rock Austin's three sixteen beeper segment. This is November 24th, 1997. If you want to go back and watch it, we have the clip right here, but it is the beeper segment that everyone still talks about. Jr. Let's take a look at this clip. Here we go. Rocky, <laughs> just one question. I'd say it was so, over. As a the heat. last thing The Rock needs is some jabroni asking him questions when he's got all the answers. Let's get two things perfectly clear right here, right now, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And that's Rock is the people's champion. The Rock is your real intercontinental champion. Apparently we have some technical we have some technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. Our lights are Well, I'll tell you what, one thing's for damn sure, the Rock is the best damn intercontinental champion there ever was. 
Apparently some audio problems as well. We apologize for that. You know, December 7th, Degeneration X, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin wants a knockdown, drag out, slobber knocker kind of fight. And that's fine. Thanks, Rock. <laughs> but this particular match is going to be on my terms. The Rock is calling all the shots on this one. Why? Because I'm the champ, and I got it like that. Stone Cold Steve Austin, you want to call The Rock a jackass? Well, get up, get up close on this one, cameraman. Bro, all the people know who the real jackass is. <laughs> Thank you very much. Again, a new facility here. What the hell's going on? for these technical problems. This building's only five, what is this? five weeks. Hey, go fix that incompetence. Have to do with that sign back there. You're right about that. I think the nation's going to go uh, take care of that technical problem. you got to ask yourself a question. With me learning all this technology, you got to wonder, is it live or is it Memorex? Give me the damn controls, you piece of trash. See, because I can do this. You just you put your cap down, wear that. Try to be somebody for once. What's Rocky doing? How you like it? Give me some sounds, man. Good stuff. 
is a rock show. And I mean, just the energy uh, he, they had it. They had chemistry from the get go. Yep. Yeah. Don't try to fuck with it. Don't try to change it. Don't try to tweak it. Let it flow. It's that simple. It really is. Well, Austin and Rock are scheduled for Steve's first intercontinental title defense at In Your House DX. Austin really still, still isn't up to full speed from his neck injury, but they put on a hell of a show, JR. I'm going to read some notes here from The Observer. Oh, uh, from Dave? From Dave. Oh, how much did Dave pay us to get him all over the show? <laughs> God dang. I, I've been reading about that. Oh, really? There are people commenting that we're, pay, that we're uh, paying him? Or he, he's paying show? us or we're paying him. Oh, God. Somebody's getting paid. I don't oh. know. Well, he was the one taking all the notes back then, so we're going to use his notes. Steve Austin you. pins Rocky Maivia five minutes, 32 seconds to retain the Intercontinental title. Austin came to the ring in his truck and got by far the best reaction of anyone on the show. The entire Nation of Domination attacked Austin, but he made his own comeback and backdropped D'Lo Brown over the top rope, and he broke the windshield and landing. Austin then gave him a stunner on the roof of the truck. Match had super heat. After a Thez press, Austin was destroying Maivia until taking a bump to the floor where Farouk and Kama attacked him. Farouk went to hit Austin with a chair, but he moved. Kama took the blow. Austin whipped Kama into the truck. In the ring, Maivia used the dreaded overdone low blow on Austin, but missed an elbow, elbow drop. After more distractions, Austin put the stunner on the ref, who he thought was Maivia. He then used the stunner on Maivia, and a second ref ran in to make the count. You can't expect Austin to have the kind of matches he had in the past due to his injuries, but given his limitations, this was pretty entertaining. Two and a quarter stars. This was the best use to Austin here, though, with all the smoke and mirrors, but The Rock, man, he's is the perfect fool for Austin at this yeah, point. Great casting. Uh, our booking, if you want to call it that. Yeah. JR, also around this time from The Observer, and I want to read this because I really want your your feedback on this. Meltzer says, in the case of Austin, the original plan was for him to lose the title at the December 7th pay-per-view to Rocky Maivia. However, Austin balked. A compromise was worked out where instead he got over his defiant anti-establishment role. Maivia got the title, although the reasons clearly made no sense, and Austin didn't have to do a job. As best we can tell, there was no heat regarding what ended up happening as everyone involved in the decision-making process was comfortable with the compromise, although the end result was a storyline that made no logical sense in regards to Maivia ending up with the title. The approach Austin took basically since the current plan is for him to win the WWF title at Mania from Shawn Michaels is that since he's headlining WrestleMania, he didn't think it would be good for him to do a high-profile job to a heel who is just getting established as a top name like Rocky was, even though no doubt the finish would have involved tons of outside interference. Not to mention that unlike in his past, his physical limitations wouldn't allow him to put on a great match in a losing effort. Whether one agrees with the logic or his side of things, and it isn't believed that he has creative control clause in his deal with Vince, like Hart he, did. He, he didn't. Okay. By the way, he didn't have a creative control clause. It was something, it was, it was, there's always one, more than one right way to do it. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, for Steve to go into WrestleMania with no momentum and losing his last major match. Didn't sound like it was a good promotion for WrestleMania and I'm biased with Austin. There's no doubt, but, uh, and same with rock for that matter. Uh, so I didn't see that big a deal in it, to be honest with you, knowing where we were going. And there was a reason we didn't beat Austin. 
he goes on and on, Jim, and I'm not going to read all of it, but there's a lot of guys through time that get a lot of shit for not dropping titles. Shawn Michaels has especially, but do you think as Meltzer says, Austin gets a pass, so to speak regarding this? You mean for doing the right thing? Or just saying, saying he didn't want to lose the title. He yeah. didn't want to lose the title because it didn't make any fucking sense, Paul. I mean, it's bad booking. Uh, you know, uh, we're trying to make the guy. We spent a lot of time talking about rocking the show on his birthday week, uh, or he's 50 years old on Monday, but golly, uh, no, man, I, I think there's plenty of time for rock to get everything he had coming to him. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I don't even how that's ascertained. So, but that's my point to you is that I don't, I didn't see such, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sense all the controversy. When the word leaked out what the original finish is going to be, then all, all hell broke loose. Yeah. So whoever told Meltzer that, uh, got all their information disseminated. So they should be happy. Plus it's the long game, right? Like you said, the build was for him to go to WrestleMania. You don't want to have him necessarily take the pin. So there's a compromise. You work through it with the talent. That's called working through it. That's right. But, uh, the spin here is definitely awesome. You know, he should get some shit for not being willing to drop the title. Well, here we go. This is the forfeit of the Intercontinental title. It does happen, and JR, we have the clip of it. If you're looking to uh, to watch it, uh, watch along the uh, the Raw, and you don't have uh, ad-free shows access to watch it with us here on video, it is December 8th, 1980, uh, 1997. Excuse me. We're going to check it out now. Here it is, uh, JR. Maybe we have our answer. Compete here tonight. Well, son, I'm always ready to compete. You're saying just because I'm wearing jeans, I can't wrestle. No, if you want to wear jeans, it's all right. Let's go ahead and wrestle. Well, now it's not like that. It's not that easy. See, I went back and had my little hot dog. I had a couple of Steve Weisers. Steve Weisers? Bruce And I decided, Vince that I ain't going to wrestle because I done whipped his Whoa. ass once. I will not do it tonight. You keep talking about your little consequences, so I want to know what you're prepared to do. What are you going to do? Are you going to fire me? Vince, The Rock thinks you should fire him. Stay out of this. You stay out of this. This yeah, may PJ Carlissimo before this is all over with. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not going to fire you. What I'm going to do, Steve Austin, you're forcing me to strip you of that Intercontinental title right now. You're forcing me to strip you of it and give it to The Rock. Whoa. Not popular. Maybe not a healthy decision. If you think for one split second that you can strip this title from Stone Cold Steve Austin, take it from my hands right now, and I'll knock your damn teeth out. like to lose them. What I will do, Vince, because I done been the Intercontinental Champion, I done been the Tag Team Champions, hell son, there ain't but one belt in the Federation that I'm interested in, and that's the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. Hear that, Shawn Michaels? So what I'm going to do, Rock, is I'm going to forfeit the damn title to you tonight, what? because I got bigger fish to fry 
So go ahead and take the damn thing because I don't want it no more. Rocky somewhat apprehensive. Take it. Take it. Huh? Take it. Take it. Apparently the rock is a name. Ladies and gentlemen. Shut up. Shake my hand, champ. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Trust me, champ. This is only up and up. You Trust can... the snake. Congratulations. Ladies and gentlemen, the new intercontinental champion. The Rock. Now, this is a shocker. You ain't lying. Second time, The Rock has been intercontinental. Whoa! Austin! Stop! DTA, right? Don't trust anybody. There's your little intercontinental champion laying right there on his ass. You talk about your TV, ladies. You send the camera crew with me because Steve Austin's got plans for the belt and it ain't got a damn thing to do with wrestling. All you got to do is tune in next week. Same Stone Cold time, same Stone Cold channel. Rocky's still selling us the uh, stutter. And oh, oh, goes back, King. Now, one more, one last hurrah with the Intercontinental Bell. Look at McMahon. Oh, McMahon. Oh, cold. Just knocked Miss McMahon off the apron. He said no more free shows. That's the man of his life. All right, Jr. Hindsight is what it is. What do you think about how that was all? I was all handled. Oh, I had no problem with it, Paul. Okay, I had no problem with it. I'm trying to. I know you're trying to get me to be red ass Jr. Right now, you're digging and you're you're squeezing and you're looking everywhere you can find to go. It's over, and I we I, I just don't think you beat you. The booking was should never have been done the way that it was. Okay. You don't want to beat the guy that's going to become the champion in his last big match before WrestleMania. That's just my philosophy and I might be wrong. So with that said, all that other stuff we just saw, it didn't, it didn't bother me. I, I know, but I also know you're a longtime wrestling fan and I, and you know, that's, that's not how that type of thing always happens where you just it, give it no, to somebody else. It wasn't, it wasn't, you're right, yeah. but we've got to be willing to try new things. We've got to be willing to experiment to some degree and, uh, and, and see where that takes us. But I didn't have a big issue with it whatsoever. I, I, would I had rather seen it be done in more a more to appease you and Dave, uh, a uh, more traditional way, tournament style, ladder, yeah, something, yeah, something. I get yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, I, would that have worked? Of course it would have worked if that's what that, that's the direction you wanted to go. That was not the road we decided to travel, and uh, it, it gave Rock a tainted title. The baby faces could always have that to point at, uh, when they're challenging him, uh, it kept Austin from, from losing this big match before WrestleMania where we knew the outcome. So, uh, no, I, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't affect me. Okay. You know, I didn't worry about how many stars I got or whatever. I was, I'm, I'm cool with Social that. Social media would have had a, a field day if a championship belt was passed along that way now, but I get it. It's all good. It's passed. That's how it happened. It worked. And we move on because the very next week, the final clip of the show, Jr. it's one of the all time classic, uh, skits, I guess you could say, uh, with Austin it's December 15th. It's 1997. It's Austin. He has that belt 
and wait till you see what he does with it. Let's take a look. According to The Rock's Rolex, Stone Cold Steve Austin, your time is up. And judging by the simple fact that your sorry carcass isn't out here delivering what's rightfully The Rock's, and that's the Intercontinental Belt, it just goes to show that you're as gutless as can be. So now, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you've managed to do something that you shouldn't have done, and that's pissed The Rock off. So now The Rock and the nation are coming to get my Intercontinental Belt. Well, as you can see, it's a beautiful night. You got the moon shining bright up there. You got the cars going back and forth over there. But you ain't got no one on this bridge but Stone Cold Steve Austin with the Intercontinental Championship belt. Rock, when I gave this belt to you, I did just that. You didn't have to earn a damn thing. Well, tonight, son, if you want to find it, I got a few things that I'm going to give you first. If you're going to find it, you're going to need a few objects. You're going to need, you're going to need your little mask so that you can see under the water. You're going to need your little snorkel. Hell, son, you might even need a regulator because you're going to have to go deep. So I got you asked a little oxygen tank, and I really doubt there's any oxygen in the damn thing. But nonetheless, there, there the damn thing is. And I tell you what, Rock, take your little flippers because you probably can't swim worth a damn either. Here's a cell phone. When you find a damn thing, dial my number, and here's a pager. When you dial me, tell me you found your little belt. I'll page you back, put the 316, and give you the big thumbs up. Rock, you're the biggest piece of trash I ever saw. It hurts me to do this, but I really don't give a damn about you or the WWF, so I'll see you a little belt later. Oh, my. No! There goes the belt! Right into the river. We're in and Michigan. the bottom line. Because the 316 said so. It was colder than hell that night. Let him swim out there and find a damn thing. If he's lucky, he'll find it. If he don't, maybe he'll drown. I really don't give a damn what he does. Well, Austin has done it again. He's defied authority. The Intercontinental title is sleeping with the fishes tonight. And Rocky's got a good swim in front of him if he ever expects to get it back. What the video what the video didn't show is a teenage Conrad Thompson just belly flopped into that body of water looking for that title belt. Oh yeah, probably so. Him, Pondwater, Dave, Jay Z, Flair—they're all looking for that title. Had their collection. I love it. But Jim, how good is all this? I mean, this is fantastic. Once you know, in a lifetime, Paul. It is. Rock was a once in a lifetime talent, just like Austin, and we were just blessed and lucky we had them at the same time. And they liked each other. They're professional. Uh, those two guys are as, as responsible as any other, any other two guys you can name to help forward this cut the WWE forward into a publicly traded company. Yeah. Bringing millions of dollars into press other wrestlers pockets, you know, JR. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Well, rock begins to transition to feuding Ken Shamrock and the tease of the nation's breakup, but that's a story for 1998. It's just crazy that just in a year and a half period, he goes from that blue chip rookie to one of the best heels in the business by the end of 97. And you had to think, man, sky's the limit at this point. It's the rocket ship. Yeah. Just keep him healthy and, and let's make history. 
And that you certainly did, JR. It's time for fan questions, which is what I like to call here on Grilling JR, Triggering JR. Let's see if we can do any of that this time. Here we go. And we'll start with an Instagram, a wrestling historian. And he said, JR, do you think Rocky Maivia could have worked as the top babyface if he would have been given the John Cena treatment? You know, no heel turn despite the vocal majority of the audiences instead. Oh, he might have been able to. Uh, but I don't like the chances. What we did, I thought worked. Him, him coming in, all the glowing uh, publicity, and the, and all the stuff. Us force feeding him, uh, including myself, to the nth degree. Uh, but his run in the nation is what set everything up. It certainly did. Dave McClay piggybacks right off of that. He said, do you believe the rocks career would not have skyrocketed the way it did if he did not turn heel and join the nation? No, I think it was the best thing for him. I thought it'd give him more of an edge. He got to work on his edge. He got to, he became the leader of that group. It was great positioning for Dwayne. So, uh, no, I think that his traveling through town with the uh, nation was a, was a smart move. Two more questions this week, JR. The Rosen Coaster, he said, with the negative crowd reaction seemingly growing by the day, did Rock ever voice his concern to creative or management regarding a character change? Or did he just let things take its course the way history played out? He let things take its course. He knew it, it takes time. He's creating a new character. He's creating a new uh, a TV persona. It's going to take some time. And that, that's what he did. He, uh, he, he, we just steered the course. And we weren't in a hurry. We knew what we had. And remember, we also had Austin. Yeah. So we, we were doing pretty good. And these, a lot of these other guys were starting to come into their own triple H shamrock was great. McFoley was going to get relevant. Uh, taker was always taker. He's Clint Eastwood day and night. So, uh, we didn't have a gun to our head. So it worked out. I thought it worked out pretty good. That <laughs> barely it did. Yeah, I would say so. Steve Clark wrestling. He wants some dirt here, Jr. So did any of the opposing survivor series team members, triple H Lawler, crush and gold dust on his debut, have any issues with laying down for the rookie? Come on. Tell us the dirt Jr. Yeah, the dirt is that's a stupid question. Uh, number one, that's what they were asked to do. If they had any business acumen at all, they saw what we were trying to do with rock. And then maybe someday if you got to the, his level. You could be an opponent and make some money. So no, there was no animosity. It makes for great dirt. I love the dirt. I live for the dirt and five stars. <laughs> That's going to wrap up the questions. JR next week, we're discussing Russell war 92, either me and you Conrad and you, one of us and you will be talking Russell war 92. It's the 30 year anniversary of the show. It's one of the best war games, man. It's sting. And he's heading a team of Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, Ricky steamboat. My God, it doesn't get much better than this. You got Nikita Koloff. They're taking on the dangerous Alliance. You got the Steiners defending the tag titles against Tatsumi Fujinami and Azuki Brian Pillman defends the light heavyweight title against Tom Zink Freebirds taking on Terrence Taylor and Greg Valentine for the U.S. tag team titles just a whole bunch of bad gimmicks here and then uh, we'll also cover WCW suing Lex Luger Jake Roberts rumored to be coming in Owen Hart makes his debut plus the cowboy Bill Watts rides in to save the day man that sounds like a great show should be fun now there might be some dirt in that one yeah, that's what we're looking for. Got to have it. The dirt. 
this other intellectual shit and <laughs> wisdom and philosophies means nothing. What we all want and we need is more dirt. We need the dirt. It's yeah, gotta be children. Dirt. We're still children and we need gossip and dirt. Check out uh, adfreeshowcares.com where you can get all your awesome JR grilling JR BBQ uh, t-shirts, man. Great t-shirts. It's got to be. We love the dirt over there. Uh, if not, it should be. But lots of great t-shirts over there. Check them out. Adfreeshows.com is the place to go. I uh, heard a little rumor tonight of a potential watch along we may do with some folks. Uh, I, they, one of them works for AEW that could be coming down the pike. Won't say too much more about that, or I'm going to get my hand slapped. But man, so much excitement over there. JR, we got Top Guy Weekend that's coming up in Chicago. Uh, you know, AEW, when they're in town that weekend, we'll be in Chicago. I'm sure we'll see you there. Probably will. I suspect you probably will. And we'll make sure that green room's loaded with all kinds of good food, Chick-fil-A and all that good stuff. For yeah, you. Chick-fil-A, please. Yep. Yep. I know you like that from last year, so we'll take care of you there. Speaking of good food, before we get out of here, we got to talk about jrsbbq.com. I hope so. Baby needs new shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it is. It's, it's time. Weather's good in most parts of the country. Grilling season is upon us. It never leaves me, but, and I know. Conrad's the same way. He grills a year round. Oh yeah. And, uh, so I, I applaud that, but if you're, you need something for your grill, if you haven't been on our site lately, you might be pleasantly surprised what you find, uh, jrsbbq.com. So check it out. Barbecue sauce, ketchup, mustard seasoning's the best in the world. Uh, it's really some good stuff there. So, and great gift ideas, gift boxes, uh, some cool stuff. Uh, Moscow mule mugs, really cool. So, uh, a lot of, a lot of neat things there. JRSBBQ.com. Don't cost nothing to look and uh, check it out. JR just used your seasoning twice within the last week on homemade meatloaf and on cool. steak. And it was cool. fantastic. So I am right there good with you, man. Good to hear. Thank you. Yes, sir. So good. I uh, got to check it out, guys. I'm telling you, we just, we, we can talk about it, but his stuff is about it. It's tasty. It's great. You can try it on all kinds of things, eggs, different stuff like that. Get the mustard, the ketchup. It's all worth it. And, uh, yeah, so check it out. JRsbbq.com. And uh, again, adfreeshows.com. JR, thank you so much. This was a fun trip down memory lane, 50 years old. Happy birthday to the rock. Any closing thoughts on this week's show, Jr. It was just been an honor in my lifetime to manage so many great talents, hire so many great talents. As you alluded to earlier, we saw a lot of them, uh, that I worked with, uh, in, uh, Liverpool last weekend, uh, which was great, great event. Well managed, well run. Uh, but you just, you only get a chance to encounter these special people rarely. Yeah. And for rock, he was the specialist we've ever had. And it's still what he does today is amazing. You know, he's a, he's got a good loyal customer with me. Cause I, I love his tequila and uh, sound like I need to have a drink right now. But, uh, but you should do that before the show. <laughs> I'm just real proud that I got to work with him. I'm just really proud that I helped facilitate his journey into WWE. And, uh, the, the pitfalls that can easily arise for a young talent on that level. So uh, I'm blessed to know him. I'm even more blessed to call him a friend. So fun show. Awesome. I'm, glad, I'm glad we did it. 
And you mentioned before, you might be working on another little regional project with him. He's doing something with the regional. Well, it's not going to be regional. Okay. As far as recovering the territories. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be on, I guess it's going to be on, uh, on the vice channel or a and E or something. I'm not sure. Very cool. I know my, we, we taped, uh, we taped it uh, recently and it seemed like it went, went real well. Oh, good. So, and they got a great crew to edit and all that stuff rocks people. So it'll be first class. It'll look great. Fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to that as fans. Can't wait to see it. JR, we love you. We're supporting you. AEW, you can hear him, the voice of wrestling every Wednesday. We're looking forward to double or nothing coming down the pike in Vegas. And, uh, man, they're putting on some great shows and I, I've been enjoying watching them, my friend. Did you notice that my light just came on? It did. Cause you would look like if you're watching the video, you were in darkness and now you look beautifully well lit. Oh, I'm a handsome man. <laughs> what a damn handsome man. Yeah. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I appreciate everybody being with us. We had fun today. We did. And, and thank you, Paul, for your hard work and all the folks for watching. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you next Thursday. That's right. On behalf of Jim Ross, this is Paul Bromwell. We'll see you again next time right here on Grilling JR. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.